0: hello and thank you for joining us for fairies and dragons ponies and knights episode 14 fairies and dragons ponies and a knight in training if this is your first time listening to fad pack as we like to call it you might want to start listening in episode one so that you get the full story my name is Marin Langdon Spillane, and today we are thrilled to welcome special guest artist Sarah Hopkins. Please check the show notes for links to Sarah's artwork and coloring page. Now, one thing that I love about stories that you listen to is that everyone imagines the story a little bit differently. I know how it looks in my head, but I love to see how other people imagine things. So I encourage all of you listeners to grab your favorite art supplies and draw, sculpt, paint, or create anything that you're inspired to while listening. Then you can share your creation with us during one of our live shows, post on our Facebook page, or email us at PetraTheDragon at gmail.com. And now, let us begin. Episode 14. Fairies and Dragons, Ponies, and a Knight in Training. Previously on Pack, Beatrice the Dragon set off on a quest to find the fairies and ponies aided by two humans from the city of Durga, Tom Thomas, a stable boy, and Talora Shamsa, a Knight in Training. While defending her baby, Smudge, from an attacking unicorn, Beatrice is stabbed by the unicorn's horn. While Tolora and Beatrice's five children attempt to care for the gravely ill Beatrice and continue their quest, Tom pursues the unicorn. He knows that the only way to heal Beatrice's wound is with the help of the unicorn itself, and he finally gains his trust. The unicorn, Mintini takes Tom to the realm of the fairies, and they agree to help him reach Beatrice in time to save her. Meanwhile, Talora and Beatrice's children have found the rainbow herd of ponies and have learned that there is nothing the ponies can do to help Beatrice. Starfire, the pale yellow pony with the rainbow mane, lifted her head from Beatrice's side and spoke. I'm so sorry, she said. There is nothing we can do, even all of us ponies together. The unicorn's magic is too strong, and it has progressed too far. No! Petra sprang to her feet, looking fiercely at the ponies. You haven't even tried yet! You have to at least try! Panicking, Talora grasped at the first idea that shot into her brain. Is there anyone else who can save her? What about the fairies? Can we find them? Can they help us? Starfire answered slowly. The fairies cannot be found. They are everywhere and they are nowhere. They appear only when they want to. I'm sorry. I'm afraid there's nothing we can do. Talora reached blindly out and found Petra grasping her shoulder. As one, they sunk to the ground, defeated. As a great sob began to build into Laura's chest, she was distracted by a small, clear voice right beside her left ear. Did someone ask for a fairy? Talora turned her head, and there, hovering gracefully in the air above her left shoulder, was a tiny reddish-brown person with large shimmering wings and a brilliant diamond crown. A fairy! Talora was speechless. Was she imagining this? She hadn't really slept in at least two days. Maybe she was losing her mind. The fairy flew daintily around until it was face-to-face with Talora. Without thinking, Talora held out her hand, and the fairy landed on it. The feeling of the two small but strong little feet on her palm was incredible. Oh, just like your friend, Tom-Tom, the fairy said as it studied to Shut that gaping fish mouth, please, before you suck me right in. Tom-Tom? Talora thought. Could the fairy mean Tom, her Tom? But before she could say or do anything, she heard the ponies stamping and snorting in excitement. One of them shouted, look at the water, something's happening to it. Talora looked toward the river. The water was churning and bubbling like it was a pot about to boil over. Talora looked back at the fairy on her hand. It, too, was looking toward the water, clapping with excitement. Is that you? Talora asked it. Are you doing that to the water? What's happening? Oh, you'll see, the fairy responded gleefully. As Talora, the ponies, and the dragons watched, something began to emerge from the river. After a moment, Talora realized that it was a gigantic bubble, but it was bigger than any bubble she had ever seen, easily big enough to hold several people. It began to glide smoothly across the surface of the river, and Talora could see that there was something inside of it, though she couldn't make out what it was. As the bubble reached the shore and bumped gently into the grassy bank, the fairy on Talora's hand fluttered into the air and made its way over to the odd bubble. Once in the air, the fairy looked like a large butterfly and no one else seemed to notice it. Talora watched as the fairy extended its hand, lifted a finger, and tapped the shimmering surface of the bubble. It popped instantly as if it had only been made of soap. Out flew what looked like at least a hundred butterflies of every color. Wait, no, they were fairies! Of course the fairies were here! The fairies fanned out and began fluttering around the dragons and ponies. A few of the ponies snorted uneasily, but most of them seemed to take this in stride, whereas the draglings looked as shocked as Talora felt. All except for Smudge, that is, who had rolled over onto his stomach and was batting playfully at the nearest fairy with one of his feet. As the cloud of fairies dispersed, Talora glanced back to the riverbank and a strangled cry escaped her throat. In the shallow water stood a grinning boy and a horse. Not just any boy. That was Tom. "'Tom!' Talora shouted, leaping up and running toward him. But before she could reach him, Starfire stepped in front of her. "'No,' said Starfire. "'Please be careful. Beware of the unicorn.' Then she noticed. It wasn't a horse. It was a unicorn. The unicorn. The unicorn that had nearly killed Beatrice.' Talora froze, seized suddenly with fear and panic. She looked up at Starfire and then at the other ponies. They were all backing up and looking warily toward the unicorn. The unicorn stood perfectly still next to Tom, whose hand rested gently on its neck. Tom called out, It's okay. It's safe. He's here to help us. To help Beatrice. Tom was interrupted by a gray and black blur with wings. (laughs) Smudge, who didn't seem to notice the unicorn, but happily tackled Tom, knocking him into the water. Smudge was followed by Lyle and Edwin, who began shouting, Tom, we knew you would find us! And, oh, Tom, we missed you! We have so much to tell you! It looked exactly as though Tom was being savagely drowned by three ferocious dragons. A purple fairy fluttering near Tolora said sadly, Oh no, the dragons are eating the human. I will miss you, Tom-Tom. Finally, Tom's laughter could be heard above the splashing. The purple fairy breathed a sigh of relief and announced to the crowd, Never mind! False alarm, everyone. Tommy lives. Oh, Tommy. I like that. Finally, Tolora ran forward too, and as Tom stood up, dripping, flung her arms around him, knocking him back into the water. Soon, even Petra and Azriel were clamoring around Tom, everyone asking questions and trying to give updates as quickly as possible. "'Tom extracted himself from the pile of dragon limbs and wings "'and looked anxiously toward Beatrice's still form. "'Is Beatrice... is Beatrice alive? Are we too late?' Tolora answered anxiously. "'She's alive. But the ponies can't help us. Can the fairies? "'We don't have much time left.' "'As she spoke, the unicorn left the water and began to walk toward Beatrice. "'As the unicorn passed them, the ponies backed nervously away, giving him a wide berth.' Actually, Tom began, the fairies just got us here, but it's Mintini who has to wait a second, Petra exclaimed, rushing to reach Beatrice before the unicorn did. Isn't this the same horn headed horse that attacked her in the first place? Petra swished her tail and glared at Mintini, who had stopped in his progress toward Beatrice and was watching them carefully. Tom rushed to explain. Yes, yeah, yes it is, but it's okay, I promise. His name is Mintini. We need his help. He's the only one who can save her. Oh now he wants to help? Petra swished her tail and glared at Mintini, who had stopped in his progress toward Beatrice and was watching them carefully. It would have been really nice if he had just helped a few days ago by not stabbing our mother and almost killing her in the first place. Petra, let Tom explain, Azriel said gently. Okay, fine. Tom, you need to explain to me exactly what's going to happen here and how this fancy horse is going to save our mother before I let it come any closer. Tom took a deep breath, and everyone turned to him. The fairies had been playing with the younger ponies, hiding in their manes and running their tiny fingers over their coats, but they all froze in their frolicking to stare at Tom. Um. Hmm. Actually, I have no idea what's about to happen. But my family has studied unicorns for, like, forever. I'm kind of a unicorn expert, actually, and there's one thing I know for sure only a unicorn can heal a unicorn wound. That's why I chased after him. It took me days, but I made friends, and he took me to the fairies, and they got us here. It's our only hope, Petra considered. Okay, good enough. You may continue, she added, looking frostily at Mintini. Mintini resumed his slow approach toward Beatrice. The ponies, draglings, Tom, and Talora moved back to give him space as he circled her body slowly. Tom, Tom, the brownish-red fairy who Tolora had held on her hand, had buzzed up to Tom and landed on his shoulder. While Maintini inspects the damage he's done, perhaps you could introduce me now? The fairy fluttered over and landed directly on Beatrice in the center of everyone, somehow making her still form seem like a throne. The rest of the fairies perched luxuriously in the manes of the ponies, and everyone formed a kind of semicircle around the fairy and Beatrice. Oh, right! Tom said hastily. Sorry, this is Carnelian, diamond wing of the crystal fairies. They're the reason we got here. So first, Carnelian made that bubble thing. And then Citrine and Amethyst, they're over there. It's so nice to meet you, a pale yellow fairy said. Absolute pleasure, a purple fairy added. Yeah, so Amethyst and Citrine, they, oops. "'See, out of time, Tom-Tom,' said Carnelian. "'Though I do prefer babbling to silent gaping, neither is particularly attractive. "'It's time to let Mintini focus now.' "'When Mintini reached Beatrice, he lowered his head and placed his horn gently against "'her shoulder just below the wound. "'His horn suddenly began to glow, and as Talora watched, she could sense some kind "'of powerful force emanating from its vibrant tip.' Suddenly Mintini recoiled, whinnied, and stamped his foot. The light went out of the horn. Tom went to Mintini and put a hand against his neck. He's weak. He was really injured by Beatrice. The fairies healed him, but he's probably not at his strongest right now. Starfire stepped forward. We can help the unicorn. We can lend him our strength. She walked around Beatrice and up to Mintini. Moonbeam, the large purple pony with the red and blue mane, followed her lead and came to the unicorn's other side. The ponies were bigger than the unicorn, and Minty looked suspicious. He was backing away, and his ears were falling back on his head. From their perch on Tom's shoulder, Carnelian called out, "'Oh, Minty, come on now! You need to get over yourself and let these extremely colorful ponies help you!' Minty snorted and stamped, but held still as Moonbeam and Starfire moved closely against his sides." "'Much better,' Cornelian said. "'Honestly, I love unicorns, but the ego on those creatures.' Starfire looked at Moonbeam. "'Are you ready? With me, now.' Standing close to Mintini, but not quite touching him, she and Moonbeam closed their eyes and were perfectly still. After a few moments, Tom and Talora looked anxiously at each other. Nothing appeared to be happening. Lyle whispered to Edwin, "'What are they doing?' "'Silent pony statue magic,' responded Edwin immediately. Lyle nodded wisely. After another moment, Tom nudged Talora and gestured at the unicorn. Talora noticed that Maintini, who had closed his eyes, had begun to relax. His ears came forward, and the tension seemed to leave his muscles." A moment passed then maitini opened his eyes and stepped forward back to beatrice again he leaned down and placed his horn against beatrice's body his horn began to glow and tolora released the breath she had been holding moonbeam and starfire remained where they were with their eyes closed concentrating the horn got brighter This time, Mintini stayed where he was, supported by the healing strength of starfire and moonbeam. His horn got brighter, and then brighter still. In fact, it seemed to be drawing upon all the light around them, making everything nearby seem darker and less defined. The horn was almost too bright to look at now. A light breeze started to form, lifting the pony's manes and rustling the grass. Lyle leaned over to Edwin. "'Now what's happening?' "'Oh, the unicorn is, like, drawing all the nearby energy into its horn to help heal Mom. "'But that's sort of creating this sucking kind of vortex thing, you know? "'So that's why it's getting all windy and dark,' replied Edwin easily. "'Oh, okay, thanks,' said Lyle, satisfied. "'Mainteeni's horn grew blindingly bright, and everyone had to look away. "'The wind was slowly growing into a powerful, whistling gale "'so strong that Tom and Talora were clutching Petra's sides to keep from stumbling over.' dark clouds had gathered all around them, blocking out the already dim sun. Carnelian fluttered into the air. Somehow the wind didn't seem to touch them at all. They hovered confidently and casually in the midst of the gale. Fairies! Carnelian called. To me! The fairies left their perches and flew up into the air at the Diamond Wings' command. They fanned out, forming a circle wide enough to surround the dragons, the ponies, Mytini, Tom, and Talora. Shelter them! Carnelian called, in a voice that was louder than the wind, louder than thunder, louder than any voice Delora had ever heard. In unison, the circle of fairies held up their arms, and suddenly a crystalline latticework seemed to spread out from each set of fingertips, connecting and binding with each other, until a great dome of frosted glass had formed around them all. The wind stopped, Talora almost fell as the thrashing wind ceased its assault on her body, but as she looked past the circle of hovering fairies, she could see that the wind was still raging. Outside of the dome they had created, the grass was laying almost flat, and large waves were rippling the surface of the river. They hadn't stopped the wind, but they had created a haven of stillness inside their circle. Talora took a deep breath and squeezed Tom's hand, her other hand finding Petra's side. They all turned their attention back to Mintini. His concentration hadn't wavered, and Moonbeam and Starfire still stood firmly on either side of him, eyes shut tight. Mintini's horn felt brighter than the sun, but Dolora could still see that something else was happening, too. Mintini himself seemed to be growing darker as his horn increased its vibrancy. A blackness had begun, starting from the base of his horn and working its way down his head and neck, spreading like ink across his body. Tum. Is he okay? What's happening? I don't know. I'm not sure what's going on. Mom, Asriel cried out, and everyone's eyes fell on Beatrice's wound, which had suddenly begun to pulse with a reddish-orange glow. What's happening to her? Starfire opened her eyes and called out, Ponies, we need your help. All of you. Each pony froze in their spot, planted their feet, and closed their eyes. Edwin looked at Lyle in amazement. Oh! "'Look, Lyle! Now they're all silent magic pony statues. That's a lot of healing going on.' Dolora could sense the power of their concentration, and while their bodies were completely still, she could feel some kind of force swirling forth. While they couldn't feel the wind any longer, they could hear it howling just outside the dome the fairies had formed around them. Inside, it was almost completely dark, except for the brightness of Mintini's horn.' Tom called out, "'What's going on?' Carnelian replied, Maintini's poison is magical. It is alive and it grows stronger the longer it is inside of a living creature. This dragon has survived the poison longer than any I have ever seen, which means the poison has had time to strengthen. It has a will of its own, you see, and it's fighting Mintini. He must kill the poison. Can he do that? Is he strong enough to fight his own poison? Azrael asked. We shall see, young dragon. We shall see. And if he does, if he does get the poison out, that means mom will be okay, right? Edwin was now clutching smudge to her and holding back tears. Listen, I am loving this chat, really, but there is quite a bit of wind and trees and, you know, the usual detritus of a hurricane flying around outside of the circle, and I'd like to keep all of that away from us, okay? So, last answer. Even if teeny manages to neutralize the poison. It won't be enough unless the dragon can fight it from within. She may not be strong enough. We shall see. Can we help? Azriel's voice was low and serious. Carnelian looked at him meaningfully. I don't know. Can you? Azriel looked at his siblings. Come on, you guys. Mom needs our help. Without waiting for a response, Azriel moved to Beatrice, leaning against her side and stretching his wings around her like a blanket. You can do it, Mom, he said in a soft voice. We're here. We're here waiting for you. Immediately, Petra, Edwin, Lyle, and Smudge joined him, each draggling, pressing their bodies against their mother. Fight, Mom, fight! You are so strong! You are so brave! Lyle cried through his tears. We love you, Mom. We need you. Come back to us, Petra whispered. "'We're gonna save our mom, we're gonna save our mom, we're gonna save our mom today, eh, Edwin sang softly. Smudge just growled and howled. It seemed as though the glow inside of Beatrice's chest got brighter, and strands of glowing red light spread from it, moving beneath her scales like tendrils of flickering fire through her veins. Suddenly, Tolora had an idea. She raced over to where her pack lay on the ground and ripped it open. Furball was cowering deep inside, his eyes huge. "'His purring magic had helped her once before. Why not again?' "'She scooped him up, ran back to Beatrice, and carefully tucked the terrified kitten under Beatrice's wingtip where he would be safe but close to her body. "'Purr, little one, purr!' she breathed. "'Then T'olora spread out her arms and hugged Beatrice, pressing her body as close to her as she could. "'She felt Tom join her, and she placed her hand over his, both of them pressing into Beatrice's hot skin.' Talora could feel the heat building inside Beatrice's body, like a fever, only hotter, like an actual fire was fighting its way through the dragon. Suddenly, Lyle exclaimed, Oh, 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 flaming nostrils! Petra smacked Lyle with her tail. Focus, Lyle! Lyle's eyes were popping out of his head. No, I mean flaming nostrils! Literal flaming nostrils! Talora looked up, flames were now coming out of Beatrice's nostrils as she breathed and they were catching the nearby grass on fire ponies look out Talora shouted A few of the ponies shifted their hooves to avoid the flames. Carnelian flew down from the top of the dome, lifted their arms high, and immediately the ground began to rumble. Stones began to pop right out of the earth like potatoes. Carnelian's arms were outstretched, moving the stones around like the conductor of an orchestra. First, the stones rolled over the flames on the ground, extinguishing them. Then they danced over to Beatrice's snout and formed themselves into a tall pile, making a stone shield that would absorb her flames. Carnelian glanced down at Talora, who was staring at the fairy, aghast. They were so small. How could they be so powerful? You humans and your mouths. Please, Tom-Tom, tell your friend she's going to dry out her tongue. The diamond wing is right. Tongues are really important. Amethyst added from their place next to Carnelian. Tellora snapped her jaw closed and looked down at Beatrice. The red tendrils of light beneath her scales had now reached Talora. As one passed underneath her hand, it burned her instantly. Tellora snatched her hand away. It was impossible to lean against her now. Her skin was too hot. Talora looked up. Other than his blinding horn, Maintini's body was now completely black from head to tail. The ponies still had their eyes closed and were concentrating deeply, while the fairies held the circle around them, keeping back the wind. Outside of their bubble, it looked like they were in the midst of a hurricane. Dark clouds had gathered and were swirling above. Talora saw a whole tree that had been ripped out of the ground fly past them. It looked and felt like the world was ending. Talora knew this wasn't a natural storm, that somehow the battle Mintini and the ponies were fighting was causing this intense unrest in the natural world around them. And at the center of the storm was Beatrice. Did she have enough strength to endure it? You can do it, Beatrice! Talora shouted. You are the strongest dragon in the world! The draglings chimed in, intensifying their chants. Fight, Mom! Fight! We love you! You can do it! There was a sudden flash of light. Then, everything stopped. The darkness receded, the light inside the bubble returned, and the raging wind outside stopped. Maintini had crumpled to the ground. What's going on? Tolora shouted. Carnelian fluttered over to Maintini. The unicorn has nothing left. He is spent. There is no more that he can do. Tom left Beatrice and ran to Maintini. The fairies let their circle of protection fall away, and even though the wind had stopped, the air felt cold and sharp. There was total silence. Did it work? Edwin asked softly. It's up to your mother now carnelian answered if she has the strength enough she may still live the unicorn has killed the poison but it still sits inside the dragon's body she must evict it now hey parents yeah you are you looking for a podcast your kids will really love well we made one just for you and for us As genuine, all-natural kids ourselves, we know what makes a fun and interesting podcast. So we decided to make it ourselves. Every show is packed with interviews, stories, and on-the-ground reporting. We have interviewed everyone from scientists to Grammy Award-winning musicians to NFL quarterbacks. Listen to Wild Interest wherever you get your podcasts. Talora noticed that none of the ponies had moved. They were standing exactly as they had been, like statues, with their eyes closed. "'What are the ponies doing?' she asked. Carnelian sighed. "'What is this, 20 questions?' "'No, I'm kidding, kidding. You are all so precious. I forgot humans and dragons can't see the magic even when it's right at their nose tips.' "'Wait, not at all? They can't see magic at all?' amethyst asked citrine aghast no they are tragically limited citrine responded sadly now now citrine let's be nice carnelian continued well tom tom's human friend half of the ponies are helping Mintini now the other half are helping the dragon they are lending their strength to her as she fights we must wait and see Beatrice was in a dream. She was flying through total darkness and had no idea where she was going. She'd been flying for days, maybe weeks, maybe forever. She was tired. So, so tired. But she knew somehow that if she stopped flying, something awful would happen. Death. Or worse. So she flew. Suddenly she hit something. It was soft and sticky. Ropes? No, it was more like a giant spider web, and she was stuck to it. She'd often wondered what it must be like to get caught in a spider's web, what it would feel like to succumb to the spider's merciful kiss. Beatrice wasn't scared, though. In fact, she was grateful. Grateful that she didn't have to fly anymore, and that she could rest. She could sleep. Sleep. Suddenly, she forced her eyes open. No, no, she must not sleep. She had to stay awake for her babies. They needed her. Then she sensed something coming, the spider. Something crawled onto her wing, something tiny. Then onto her foot and her back, her claws, her nose, all at once. Not one spider, but thousands of tiny spiders swarmed onto Beatrice, covering her body like a blanket. Now she was scared. She tried to pull herself off the web, but it was no use. The spiders began to move into her, somehow getting past her scales, digging into her body. The pain was incredible. She roared and breathed fire onto the web, hoping to burn herself free. The spiders seemed to be climbing through her veins and her muscles like they were chewing their way through, their venom searing the nerves inside Beatrice's body. They crawled to the tips of her talons, her wings, her tail. Beatrice wondered if this is what fire felt like when it burned, a sensation that no dragon could ever experience. Burned. Burned. Fire. Could she burn them out? Could she burn them out from the inside? She could try. She grew a great fire in her lungs and she held it there. Then she pictured the paths that the spiders had taken through her body. She squeezed the fire and imagined pushing the flame across those paths. She felt the warmth spread a tiny bit. She took a deep breath and tried again. The warmth spread more, and where the warmth spread, the pain from the spiders seemed to stop. It was working. She took another deep breath and pushed the fire deeper through her veins and muscles. It was difficult, and it took all of her concentration. She was already so tired from flying for so long. She didn't know if she had the strength. Then, as if from a hundred miles away carried on the wind, she heard Asriel's voice. Mom, we're here, we're here, waiting for you! Asriel! Beatrice shouted his name and looked frantically around, trying to find him. Asriel! her first draggling to hatch. She could remember his shiny black nose poking from the shards of his egg, his bright eyes finding hers for the first time. There she saw something, in the darkness, far, far away, the tiniest pinprick of light. She heard Petra, Lyle, and Edwin too. Fight, Mom! Fight! You're so strong! You are so brave! We love you! She heard the throaty growling of her baby, Smudge. Her children, her children were here. She was filled at once with love and excitement, swiftly followed by terror. Where were they? Were they stuck in this place too? She had to get to them. They needed her. She needed them. She took a deep breath in and let the fire rage inside her chest. She pushed hard. The fire squeezed further, deeper into her body. She thought about how some animals gave birth, and this gave her strength. If they could do it, so could she. She was a mother pushing through pain to get to her children. She fought. It seemed to last forever. Beatrice pushed and pushed, and finally the flames had reached the furthest points of her body. The spiders were gone. She had beaten them. And as if the spiders and the web were connected, as soon as the last one was burnt away, the web fell to pieces. Beatrice was falling, and she wearily tried to raise her wings. Oh no, not this again. Not flying. I don't have the strength she thought. But at least this time she knew where to go. She opened her wings and caught the air. She pointed herself toward the tiny pinprick of light, toward the voices of her children. And she flew with all of the strength that she had left. Hello again. If you'd like to know what happens next, please tune in for episode 15 better together with special guest artist shirley reed if you are enjoying Fad pack there are a few simple and fun ways to support the show you can leave us a rating or write a review on apple podcasts or the website podchaser.com this is a great way to help others find the show and it really means a lot to us you can also shop from our online store at dirtroadtheater.com shop our store has stickers, t-shirts, hats, mugs, even a Fad Pack fanny pack, and a Fad Pack backpack, all featuring the work from our special guest artists. Or you can buy a ticket to one of our live Zoom shows where you'll be the first to hear the new episodes. You can share your drawings or thoughts about the show and chat with other listeners. For tickets to the live show, please visit dirtroadtheater.com/fadpack. And that's it for episode 14. If you have any questions, comments, or artwork that you'd like to share with us, please email PetraTheDragon at gmail.com. Petra handles all of our communication, and thus far, she has not caught anything on fire. Cotton? (laughs) Petra handles all of our communication for us, and thus far, she has not caught anything on fire. Fairies and Dragons, Ponies, and Knights is a proud member of Kids Listen, a grassroots organization of advocates for high-quality audio content for kids. You can find more great podcasts at kidslisten.org or download the app. If you'd like a full transcript of any of our episodes to read along or to read on your own, you can find a link at the bottom of the show notes. Fairies and Dragons, Ponies, and Knights is made and recorded by Dirt Road Theater in Northfield, Vermont. Our guest artist for episode 14 was Sarah Hopkins. Check our show notes for links to Sarah's artwork and coloring page. Fadpack was written and created by Dominic Graceland and Oliver Spillane and edited and performed by myself, Marin Langdon Spillane. The music you heard was composed by the amazing Nathan Lee. You can see more of his work at nathanlee.net.